Good morning. Morning. What a privilege to praise God. Isn't it good? Ah, oh, fantastic. Thank you, Lord, for the rain as well. Wonderful. We need it. Okay, this morning we're looking, we're carrying on in our uh, Vision and Values course series. If you don't have a copy of this, please ask John or Steve and they'll get you a copy. And um, it's really the vision and values that we have as a church. And we're just revisiting them because uh, sometimes it's good to look at what we believe and why we believe it and to revisit it. Shall we just open by praying? Father God, we want to thank you for your son, Jesus. We want to thank you for the word of God that brings life. And Father, we pray this morning that we would hear your word and that we would act on your word and that, Jesus, you would build your church, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Right, well, we're looking this morning at worship and communion and um, all sorts of different angles and uh, ways we could look at this. But uh, today, just on worship, I want to look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Well-known scripture, and it says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Worship, it's about presenting our whole selves to God. It's who we are. It's what we do. It's what we think. It's the choices that we make. It's our attitude. Everything about life, it's a sacrifice to God. Because God's desire is always to have a relationship with us. He just loves us so much. He chose us before time began. He wants to have a relationship with you. And he shows in his ultimate sacrifice of giving his son Jesus that he can make a way through the blood of Jesus that we can again come into relationship with God. Not only did God send his son Jesus who died on the cross, but as we heard this morning, he raised him from the dead. Isn't that good news? He raised him from the dead. That's why he's our hope and our glory. He's not a dead saviour. He's alive. He's alive. Hallelujah. And he reigns in heaven now. And he wants to to restore a relationship with us. It's wonderful. Ever since the beginning of time, God has wanted to relate to us. There's a desire to worship within us. There's something within us that wants to connect with God. It's built into our very DNA. But worship, everybody is worship something or someone, aren't they? See everyone on the football terraces, you know? You'll never walk alone. That's worship, even when they're losing. (laughs) It's worship. The X Factor, oh, this new star, he, she's so wonderful. It's worship. And I can stand back and stroke my beard and go, oh, bless But what about me? What am I worshipping? Do you want the list? (laughs) My career. Our retirement. (laughs) Money. (laughs) Success. Food. Alcohol. Shopping. These words of knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) Cars. Gadgetry. And probably most subtle of all, We're actually worshipping ourselves. 
rather than worship God. It's me at the centre and not God. That affects our decisions and what we choose to do because something within us longs to be satisfied. Longs. And, and worshipping other things, whether it's your favourite football team or getting your retirement right or my grandchildren or everything to me. We can worship something else rather than worshipping our God. I believe they're a counterfeit of God's best. Whenever you're stuck, what do you do? You look to Jesus. What does he say? In Philippians 2, probably read often at worship services, it says this. Have this same attitude in yourself that was in Christ Jesus, who being the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Isn't that wonderful? That's worship. That's worship. Jesus is always our example. Sunday by Sunday we we read this book here. What is it? It's called the Bible. And it's a great book because we believe this is, this is God's word to us and to everybody, whether they know him or not. We believe this is God's word. Lots of different books telling you different stories about ordinary, everyday people. A bit like the archers, really, isn't it? <laughs> ordinary, everyday folk. And uh, in the book, the very beginning book, there's a book called Genesis. It's the first book of the Bible. And it tells us a story about a man called Abraham who went on to be called Abraham. You might have heard of him. And God chose him to be the father of his people. Now, if you're going to be a father of people, you've got to have children. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? And uh, in Genesis 22, we read this most astonishing story where God tests Abraham. And he, he tells him, just hold on with me. He says to him, go to a mountain and sacrifice your son there to me. It's scary, isn't it? God, sacrifice your son. Whew. So Abraham obeys God. He's got the wood on his son's back. They troop off to the mountain. There's Abraham. There's his son Isaac and their servant. They get to the bottom of the mountain. And uh, I think it's up there in my top three most astonishing scriptures. Abraham turns to the servant and he says, you wait here, I and the boy will go yonder and we will worship and we will return to you. Wow. Wow. Hang on a minute. He is going to sacrifice his only son and he's calling it worship. Does this sound familiar? Of a father that takes his son to a mountain to sacrifice him? Does it sound familiar? Abraham went up the mountain and he was about to 
sacrificed his son as God has asked. And an angel reached out and said, don't do that. Lift up, look your eyes, look. And there's a, there's a ram, sheep, caught in the bushes. And the angel says, sacrifice that ram to God. At that very moment, Abraham saw something. You find it in John 8, 56. He saw that God one day would send a perfect sacrifice to his own son who would die on the mountain, the Lamb of God, Jesus, who takes away the sin of the world. At that moment, he saw it. (sighs) Worship's a big deal, isn't it? Worship, it's about real choices. (laughs) Worship will cost. I'm sure we've all been to the seminars where we're told, well, when you worship, you... Sometimes you get up, you have to sing the song you don't enjoy and you have to stand for longer than you want, but that's all part of your worship and, you know, sacrifice. And there's an element of that which is true. But as I read in a book once, worship is a bit like an iceberg. How much, what percentage of an iceberg is commonly seen above the water level? Is it one, one, one ninth, one tenth? One eighth, the scientists have spoken. <laughs> Can we just confirm that? <laughs> so the seventh or eighth is above. Interesting, seven days a week. That's a good one. Wish I thought of that. I could have made a good preach out of that. But we come together, we worship, we lift our hands, or we sit quietly, we reflect, and so forth. That's what's seen. But God sees all the rest of the week, the attitudes, the choices, and so forth that we make. Those are all acts of worship. Now, I was talking about this book, the Bible. It starts with Genesis. Anyone remember what the last book is? Index. Oh, no, hang on. <laughs> it's a great book. Very methodical. It's called Revelation. Now, for some, Revelation, oh, it's like this magic Da Vinci code where we can work out how God's going to sort this world out in the last days. But verse 1 of chapter 1 in Revelation says something very interesting. Anyone remember what it says? It says, a revelation of Jesus Christ. Not a revelation of how the world's going to end. A revelation of Jesus Christ. Today, if you do not know Jesus, he wants to give you a revelation. He wants to reveal himself to you. Because he loves you. And he's chosen you. He's got great plans for you. He wants to be back in a right relationship with you. It won't feel like a Hollywood blockbuster moment where thousands of angels appear and you fall in your face and God comes to you. Just in your heart, even as I'm speaking, you're thinking, I don't know, there's something about this God. It doesn't all add up, but I want to know more. Then I believe Jesus wants to reveal himself to you today. He can speak into our heart. You know, sometimes you can feel like there's a a jigsaw piece missing inside you and everything's kind of okay, but it doesn't all quite fit. That's because, as we heard last week, there is a God-sized hole in each one of us and only meeting Jesus and knowing his forgiveness and his friendship can fill that gap in your life. Today, you can encounter Jesus. You can discover the freedom and the joy of worshipping him. These won't just be droney words that fill time before the Grand Prix, but it'll come alive. And I don't know who won, so don't tell me. 
please. <laughs> oh, and by the way, it'll cost you everything. <laughs> it'll cost you everything, but it's worth it. <laughs> if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, speak. Steve, the guy with the red, speak to John, David who led the meeting at the end. They will happily tell you all about it. Now, Revelation, remember we mentioned Revelation, last book of the Bible. It was a revelation that was given to a man called John. Now, John in this story was given extraordinary glimpses of heaven. Anyone ever read those first three or four chapters of Revelation? Amazing visions and glimpses of heaven that John was given. And it was, he was overwhelmed. He saw amazing things, incredible things that would blow our little minds apart. And this angel was showing him these things, and the angel showed him these things. And John was so overwhelmed that twice he fell down and he worshipped the angel. He was so overwhelmed. And the angel said, do not do that. Do not do that. Worship God. How many here have been Christians for quite a long time? In love, I'm after you. (laughs) You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit just needs to nudge us back on track because people like me can quickly go off track. We were chatting chatting to you yesterday about doing backstroke. Was it Eileen or... We were talking about doing backstroke and... I know you were saying in the, in the swimming pool the other day, you do backstroke, and unless you kind of have a marker, you start to go to a side. And I was in the sea last week doing backstroke, and I whacked my arm on the breakwater because I'd gone wonky, <laughs> even though I thought I was going straight. I won't be going in this afternoon, by the way. <laughs> but sometimes the Holy Spirit just needs to nudge us back on course. We're sure that we're going correct, but he just needs to nudge us back. Worship's the big one, folks. As Christians, especially as people that love the Lord, want to be filled with the Spirit, want to be obedient to Him, we are in danger here because we can start worshipping the Christian peripherals. And there's plenty, aren't there? That TV Bible teacher, that certain God channel, even the enjoyment of musical worship, and I've fallen for that one years ago. I got so caught up in the beauty of A minor over E minor, B minor, D, C, home. And, And you can get caught in the emotion of that. And actually, that's what I want. No, it isn't. You can end up worshipping the music. Maybe it's a desire for ministry, a, 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 a huge passion for evangelism or healing. Israel. Israel's everything. Prophesying. We should be prophesying more. It can actually, we can actually move our direction just slightly off course from Jesus onto Christian peripherals. I don't know if you've ever been fortunate enough, I haven't, <laughs> to go to a, a wonderful restaurant, you know, El Bullo or the French Laundry or a Jamie place, really good quality uh, restaurant up in town. You know, they're all on the telly these days. Um, uh, the, the, the duck, the fat duck, whatever. These amazing restaurants. And when you go into an amazing restaurant, so I've heard... They sit you down, and there's lovely cutlery, lovely crockery, and beautiful glasses. But do you spend the whole evening in that restaurant going, what a beautiful fork. Look at that fork. That plate. 
Royal Dalton. Put that in my pocket. You know. All this glass, it's Waterford crystal. It's, it's beautiful crystal. Or, when the food comes on the plate, do you enjoy the food? What a wonderful, you know, jacket potato. What a lovely cheesecake. <laughs> what a lovely cheesecake. What a lovely, fine, you know, Chateau Neuf de Pat, 85. <laughs> no, we, 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 we concentrate on the food. And I think it's like that with worship. And I've, I've been guilty of this often. Hopefully not so much now, but certainly in the past. I get so caught up with the plate and the bowl and the knife and the fork and we forget to eat the meal. It's all about prophecy, brother. We've got to really push in and press in. It's got to be all prophecy, 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 prophecy. Well, yes, but also it's all about Jesus. And when we call to prophesy, do it. It's all about Jesus. Let's heal the sick. It's all about Jesus. Pray for countries of the world. That's fine. But it's all about Jesus. The important thing is to taste the food and wine, not to get caught up with the bowls and the packaging. Worship God, not the packaging. Now, if you have a passion, like me, for certain things that I mentioned there, just run a plumb line of God's word down there. And if it's okay, say, Father, I have a passion about this or that. This is my heart, but I worship you. That's fine. No condemnation. But let's just allow the Holy Spirit just to nudge us back on track if we're getting off track. Because it's about worship. It's about worshipping Jesus first and foremost, not worshipping Christian activity. And let me just follow that up a little bit, because I was, I was thinking about this, and the revelation was given to who? Who got the revelation in the Bible? John. Who was Jesus' best friend on earth? John. Was it Peter? No. He was the big mouth, wasn't he? Okay. John was so close to Jesus. In a correct sense and a godly sense, close. They were brothers. But they loved one another in, in a healthy and correct manner. You know, it was, it was the closest relationship Jesus had with any human being, I believe, on this planet. And yet John when he had the revelation, still fell down and worshipped the angel. Do you see what I say? Do you get it? It's, it's, that, it's that we want to see more of that. <laughs> we, John, John had known Jesus on earth, but once he'd seen the ascended Jesus, it blew his brain, and he got knocked slightly off course. So, brothers and sisters, let's just be careful. Let's be careful. It's not heavy. Just be careful that it's all about Jesus. It's about following him. It's about soaking ourselves in this because this is what God is saying to us. The other things you're passionate about, fantastic. But this is what God is saying to us. Let's put our heart and our energy into this, not into other peripherals. If John could miss it, then we could miss it. And we're not going to miss it. Don't worship the experience. Worship God. And even at the cross... Jesus was still caring for John, wasn't he, and his family. Look after John, look after me mum. <laughs> that was how close they were. If we're going to move into things, the dynamics of the spirit that we've only dreamed of, we're going to need to make sure that we're very, very much based on the word of God and that worshipping God is our top priority. 
rather excellent book here, which I still haven't lent to Steve. <laughs> and uh, uh, Moving in the Prophetic by Greg Haslam. How are we doing? Not too bad. Let me uh, just read to you what he says. God has to move from the circumference to the centre of church life once again. No longer edged out by tradition, financial concerns, buildings and property, or the way we do things here. When God is the focus of everything, we will discover a new awe for him and excitement in him. If we are to return to the New Testament standard of saving the lost, healing the sick, delivering the demonised, then it will, be because, it will be because once again we have become a house of prayer for all nations, a place and a community where Christ is gospeling the, the community through the words and works of his people. Our God is willing. Hallelujah. Our God is able. The question is, are we? Wonderful. Worship God, him first, and I believe from that we're going to hear his word and we're going to start being much more effective in seeing people saved and added to this church. Really believe that. So that's worship. It's a battleground. We know that you can look in Ezekiel and Isaiah, see the whole battleground of worship, but that's the core thing for me today, for us today. It's about how we live our life. It's our choices Monday to Friday. And it's keeping Jesus at the very centre of what we do. That's worship. Secondly, communion. We're going to share communion in a moment. As John said, if, if you don't, if David said, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, just pass the things on. Please don't be embarrassed. It's absolutely fine. God loves you lots and lots. But communion, what else? Well, it's known as the breaking of bread, Lord's Supper, the Eucharist. And it's... It's very simply sharing bread and wine together. And this was instituted by Jesus on the night that he was betrayed. And the night before he was to be executed on the cross. And what always gets me is that Jesus knowing, he knew what was coming. And yet despite that, he still took time with his friends to love them. And to to institute something which we can use today. Quite remarkable. He was still giving to others, even at that point of great torment that he was facing. It's very good notes about this. I'm not on commission. Very good notes about communion in here. And Steve has also written an excellent article, which you can get on the Canterbury City Church website, which I recommend to you, uh, which unpacks this a little bit more. But Jesus encouraged us to observe this as, as, as a sign of our continual fellowship. Luke 22 unpacks that. And during the, the, the time of communion, we're remembering what Jesus has done, his sacrifice for us. But there's a bit more to it than that. Steve's got a quote. Quote from Steve. It says, Communion give us a pan- gives us a panoramic view of our salvation and an ongoing means of grace. Isn't that beautiful? A panoramic view of our salvation. Good question to always ask ourselves, and again, this is in, this is in the main note. Where do we look? Where do we look when we take communion? I think we were thinking earlier, where do we look during worship? Was that the question David asked? Where are you looking? I can't quite remember. 
Where do we look during communion? Various, various ways we can look. We can look back. We can look inward. We can look upward. We can look around. There's no one like him. We can look forward. All different directions we can look. I'm going to unpack these. But one thing I would say is that we don't want to overly major on each one. It is a blend. If you're blending a wine or a coffee or a meal, you don't put tons of salt in. You put in just enough salt so it blends together. Let me unpack that a little bit more. Firstly, we look back. We remember with thanks the death and the victory of Jesus our Lord. We don't just give thanks for his death, we give thanks for his victory. It links in with worship, it creates a thankfulness, a gratitude uh, within us. Uh, it, we can draw close to God in appreciation of what he has done for us. Lord, as I look back, I thank you for your death and I thank you for your victory on that cross. We can look inward which is okay to do. By faith, we can feed on Christ because he is the bread of life. We looked at it last week. Jesus is the bread of life. He even said he was. Namely, we can commune with him through the Holy Spirit. We can feed on him and he will refresh us. Now, we don't believe that that the bread and the blood actually changes into the body of of our Lord, transubstantiation. We don't believe in that. that, but that's fine. But for us, we believe as we feed on the bread and the wine, Jesus, by his spirit, is feeding us. These are just symbols. This is not the actual blood um, body of our Lord. And when you eat, you normally get refreshed and strengthened. And we can eat the bread and the wine and we can be refreshed and we can be strengthened. An interesting quote, again, which Steve passed my way by a chap called Burke Parsons. He says, often when we partake of the Lord's supper, supper, we are wallowing in the mire, remembering ourselves and our sins, when Jesus said, remember me. Now, I was brought up in a church tradition, um, very good on the word, know the hymns, learnt the Bible, fantastic. We used to have communion second and third Sunday of the month and Monday Sunday evenings, first Sunday of the month, whatever it was. But I was never taught about communion. So what I used to do is I used to hold the cup with my hand and try and get it as warm as possible so it got to blood temperature. And then think about all the things I'd done wrong at school that week and all the things I'd done naughty and all the bad things I'd done. And, and I kept looking at how bad I've been and how bad I've been. <laughs> oh, I feel better now. <laughs> That's what, I, that's what I thought. I didn't know any different. The, the, the idea is that we don't go, oh, yes, but Lord, I've done this wrong and I've failed here. We can come to the throne of grace. We can find mercy to help in time of need. We can receive forgiveness. That's not a trite thing. That's important. But then, Father, now by your grace, I stand and I can take these and I can remember what you have done for me. Because... I thank you for what you've done for me and I remember it's all about you and all about me and how I've got it wrong. Really important one. And I think if you've brought up in a, even good faithful church traditions, just bear that one in mind sometimes. That during communion it can get a little bit, ooh, 
a little bit too inward. Where else do we look? Well, during communion, we can look up. We can enjoy communion in the spirit with our ascended and our risen Lord. We worship a God who is risen and ascended. As our old pastor used to say, Buddha's dead, (laughs) but Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. He is risen. And we, are, we sung it this morning. We are seated with him in heavenly places. Look at Romans, uh, Romans 8. Look at Ephesians 1. We are now seated with him in heavenly places. We can look up. That's, Mark, that's wonderful news. Wonderful news. That's why I believe the Bible says lift up your heads. Because we can tend to drop our heads so, so quickly. The world, circumstance, push our heads down. Lift up your heads. Look. See what our Saviour has done. Jesus always raised people up. He didn't push them down to get themselves sorted out. He raised them up. During communion, look up. Be raised with him. It's great. Fourthly, fifthly, looking around. We can look around during communion. I was always taught that... But I believe we can look around. These are my brothers and sisters. I just wonder whether the Lord wants to nudge us as a body here to look around a little bit more during communion. When we look around, we are renewing our covenant of love and our covenant of loyalty to one another. It is our covenant with Jesus, but also we are God's family. Remember when John spoke to us about three weeks ago, he talked not only about being saved, he talked about being added, because we are added as well as saved. When we are born, we are born into a physical family, okay, maybe a dysfunctional family or whatever, but we are born into a physical family. It's the same thing in the kingdom of God. We are born, again, as an individual, I come to Jesus, forgive my sin, so and so forth. And I'm saved in that sense as an individual. But the first thing God does is he says, you are saved, come into my family. Come into my family. Enjoy the benefits. Enjoy the full benefits, sorry, of your Christian walk in communion by realising that you are part of the body. You are part of God's family. And what happens in families? Oh, the edges get knocked off. People see my weaknesses, my shortcomings. Not always very comfortable. But it, it kind of keeps us humble, doesn't it? God knocks off it. Jesus, we love the song, Jesus brought us into his family. He's called us to be a family. Don't, don't step outside the family. Even if you're physically in this room, you might actually in your heart be outside the family. Come in. We need you. We need you. Oh, but I'm just a little toe. Don't go down all that route. You know, we are part. We are part of God's family. We are not dozens and dozens of individuals who have been saved by Jesus who are trying to work it out. We are God's family. That's the way He chose to do it. I believe that Jesus came for a bride, not lots of little brides. I was thinking about this. You see some of these cults, 
there's hundreds and hundreds of brides in one football stadium. No, Jesus has come for his bride. If you're not part of the body of Christ, if you're not a member of a church, all I would say to you, find where God is adding you. Find where God is putting you. God's calling you to join our friends at the Baptist. Go there. If he's calling you to become a Christ church, fantastic. Be part of the body of Christ. You need to be in God's family. It is so important. I believe that healing is in the body, i.e. within the family of God. I believe that's a place we can get healed. I think communion is a wonderful opportunity as we focus on what Jesus has done, his death, his victory, his coming again. There's also a great time to say, brother, I know you haven't been well. As we share communion, as we, we focus again on Jesus, let's pray for your headaches, for this, for that. It's a good thing. We're not focusing entirely on the headache. We're focusing on Jesus. But together as a family, we're ministering the life of God to one another. It doesn't have to be all weird. Just be gentle. Finally, we can look forward. (laughs) Heard about it this morning. When we partake of communion, we recognise that Jesus is coming again. Excellent. I think that old chorus, was it Christ triumphant, ever reigning, something conquering king? (laughs) Jesus conquering king, was it? Christ triumphant. That's it. But he he is coming again. And I know I'm not very hot on this one. I know this is where I back off a bit. But he is coming again. And every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. That's why we need to get right with him now. But he's coming for a glorious bride. He's coming again, 1 Corinthians 11, 23. And one that's not in the, in the, in the notes, don't look down. <laughs> don't look down. Look up. Because <laughs> we can quickly revert. People like me, my sort of personality, can quickly kind of go a bit inside myself. Look down. Maybe I'm being more humble. No, I'm being disobedient. Look up. Look around. We need one another. So, it's all about Jesus, worship and communion. Worship ultimately is our response to God's incredible grace, his wonderful grace. And communion gives us this 365 degree view of the past, present and future. Just would say again, Dear friends, be added. Be part of the body of Christ. Ask Jesus to come into your life. He can change you. He can fill you with his spirit. He can equip you. He loves you. He he wants to know you. And he wants to share this meal with you, not just individually, but with your family, with your brothers and sisters. I have a challenge in the note. There are notes there. But when you come to cell group this week, I just want to encourage the cells this week just to share communion. And one of the things I'd, I'd like to challenge us to do is to look somewhere different during communion. If you always focus on Jesus on the cross, then maybe focus on praying for Mrs. Smith, who's sitting next to you. If you're always caught up in the victory and the wonder of God, and isn't it wonderful, maybe take some time just reflecting on the victory that he's... You see what I mean? 
it's an op- we have an opportunity to try something different. <clears throat> Do you ever go into the cafe and rather than having a bacon sandwich, you say, you know what, I'll have the, I'll have the, I'll have the miso soup. Just try something different. You might like it. <laughs> if you're listening to this on CD, God bless you. Can you turn me off now, Paul? Thank you.